Hello, welcome once again to You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. I am one of your co-hosts tonight, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the USA, and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. How are you, Eric? I am well. Very good. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Mike, how's it going? Not bad. Very good. And Eric, you do numerous podcasts, but what's the one that you do with your buddy Dan in Michigan? Uh, the one I do with him is a general interest podcast called the Ascanity Podcast. That's A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on Stitcher and on the iTunes store. Very good. And Mike, you do a genre book? Uh, on, from time to time, yes. It's uh, Unnatural Selections, www.unnaturalselections.com. Very good. And Eric, we, we do a sister podcast, me, you, and Mike. Well, we do. That's the uh, one that this actually spawned off of. Uh, it's the Dark Discussions podcast. Uh, wait, can I get it right this week? It's your place for uh, horror films, fiction, and all that's fantastic. Did I get it right? Pretty close. Ah, yep. shit. Yes. <laughs> Pretty good. Your place for the discussion of ah, horror films, okay, fiction, okay. and all yeah, that. Yeah. I, I had to do that for the, the Type it out a couple of times for the promotional materials last night. <laughs> well, I'll get there someday. Yes, that's very well. And I've forgotten it by Friday, I'm sure. Yeah. It's yeah. only been four years. <laughs> only four. So uh, let's see here. So um, this is uh, www.darkdiscussions.com is the website for the You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, which can be found on iTunes and Stitcher under You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, or under Dark Discussions podcast, since it's under both feeds. And we are also on Twitter, Dark Discussion 1, and we have an email, darkdiscussions.aol.com, and we have a Facebook group where there's a lot of discussions, and that is Dark Discussions podcast. Uh, and the reason for that is, as Eric said, uh, this podcast came out of the Dark Discussions podcast, so we just use uh, that media uh, to promote You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. So, tonight's episode of the podcast is basically a recap of Season 5 of Game of Thrones. And before we... Let's go into our opinions and all that and discuss specific points. Uh, anybody have any information that they wanted to share about Game of Thrones in general that may be news that we've heard in the, uh, in the media or if it's something else of interest to anyone? Well, you posted an article in the group, Phil, that was actually um, let us in on the fact that uh, Lena Headley or Hedy, Hedy, how do you say her name? Cersei. Uh, yeah, uh, Lena Headey, Headley? Headey, like something. Anyway, that was not actually her nude body. They uh, CGI'd her head onto a body double. Uh, so, that was not actually her that we were seeing. Yeah, what happened was, uh, I guess she's pregnant when this was filmed. And okay. so, they had to use uh, a body double, otherwise we would have saw a pregnant woman, and Cersei isn't supposed to be pregnant. So... Well, was uh, they, she ever supposed to be? <laughs> Considering uh, who she was sleeping with? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. So uh, we had a yeah body double and uh, and stayed 
did a pretty good job uh, masking the two together. The, yeah. The, and did. I forget the name of the actress that uh, was the body double, but uh, she's an aspiring actress. I think she's like 30 years old, obviously mm-hmm. a very, very pretty woman. And uh, uh, her face is also uh, very pretty. And hopefully she'll find work um, where she can actually be herself as an yes. actress. So, but uh, at least she was noticed in many ways. <laughs> Yes, uh, Mike. You were going to say something? Uh, no, I had certainly the pregnancy is a good excuse, I guess, to not go prancing around naked in front of other in front of a bunch of other people. I actually did like the other article you posted uh, on the website, which was the uh, casting call oh, for yeah. the cockflasher. <laughs> That's right. Yes, yes. Uh, I I guess they had a Twitter. Or Facebook or something um, uh, ad to get extras for that same scene, which included a male flasher because uh, there is a male flasher in that, that scene. And uh, <laughs> look at me, it, I'm a Lannister. Yeah, it's <laughs> and yeah, yeah, there, there, there was such a thing, and it was kind of humorous. So uh, very bizarre, very bizarre. But uh, and I guess we'll probably discuss that scene anyway in, in further detail when we get into the main episode uh, let's see oh I did see the Jon Snow uh, on the Seth Meyer show I finally watched that <laughs> and that was awesome it's basically Isn't that pretty funny it is pretty funny uh, it's a skit from the Seth Meyer show which is a show uh, in the USA and probably available in Canada and Mexico me, mispronounced that it's US of A that's right US of A and uh, or some of us like to call it America Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's a, a variety show where he interviews people and whatever, and uh, they had a, a five-minute skit of Jon Snow playing, or I should say Kit Harrington playing Jon Snow at a dinner party that Seth has, and it is quite humorous, where he stays in character. Uh, so worth definitely worth checking out. Uh, it's on the Facebook group, Dark Discussions Podcast, but you also can find it. Uh, Google and Yahoo and YouTube. Yeah, just and just whatever. search Jon Snow Dinner Party and you'll find it. Yep, absolutely. Um, let's see. Uh, any, yeah, any did further? you watch the musical? That one I have not. That's the one with the Coldplay, I guess, right? That's the one with Coldplay. That's the next one you got to do now. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Um, I did do uh, some research on some, some stuff here. Uh, first off, a cockle. C-O-C-K-L-E <laughs> by... Marion Webster. It's a little cock. You'll freeze your little cock off, as Jon Snow said in the dinner podcast. Also known as a cockle shell, one word, an edible borrowing bivalve mollusk with a strong ribbed shell, and also a small shallow boat. So that's mm-hmm. what a cockle is. And then I did uh, uh, you buggery. You get me when you start talking all sciencey, Phil. Buggery. <laughs> and that is specifically anal sex or sodomy. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, I knew that really got me going. And don't look that one up on Wikipedia because they show a picture or a painting <laughs> of a guy doing it to a goat. <laughs> so that was pretty gross. <laughs> uh, how, many, how many links did it take to get you to the goat? Oh. That's what I want to... Oh. No, that's not the picture I want. No, nope, that's not the picture I want. There we go. That's the one I'm looking for. Yeah, well, yeah, just type in Wikipedia. I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ponce, 
I looked that one up as well, and it is a British term for a pimp or a derogatory term for a male homosexual, specifically England and the UK. So somebody who might like to be buggered. <laughs> First known use. referred to as a pods. 1872. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. So, yes, I did that recently. And even though I know what they mean, I they still are going to make me laugh. Yeah, and I always like those when they dig for the etymologies of these phrases. And What was it, 1872? That's right, yes. I mean, someone's going, I think I should look up when the first time someone said hungry. <laughs> Let me see. I can find. Oh, here we go. A bunch of school children A- actually making you know what, Mike, fun I can of their feminine I can tell you why they had that information is because when they were uh, forming the Oxford Dictionary, uh, that's how they did it. When they defined a word, part of their defining a word was finding the first time it was used. <sighs> that's right. Uh, oh cock- God! Cockle was uh, the 12th century, and uh, also "ponce" does mean port in Spanish. And buggery. <laughs> it means what in Spanish? Port, as in uh, a port <laughs> for a boat. Oh, that's probably where they got the term. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'll never but, watch Jaws the same way again. Oh, uh, it's too funny. And uh, buggery was first used in fifteen fourteen. Okay. Uh, yes. So, so <laughs> buggery has been around a lot longer than ponces. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yes. Well, I All think right. the two have been around about equally long. <laughs> but 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 the terms, I guess. I think Eric means to actually <laughs> oh, use yes. the word. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, <sighs> any further things anybody wanted to bring up, Mike? You were fi- have you finished up that uh, Game of Thrones video game, or are you waiting for another uh, episode to come out? Well, no, I'm up to chapter four. There's still two more chapters to go. Uh. It- you know, it's, and, and, and what it's is the video Thrones. game? You're waiting for something horrible to happen. What? Expl- explain uh, for folks who don't know what we're talking about. It's a, a Telltale or something. Uh, it's, a, it's it's from Telltale Games, and they have, uh, among other things, there's uh, they've done the two Walking Dead, uh, two Walking Dead video games. Not the only two, but the two that people have liked. Um, and there's another one that's I think it's a, its own thing called. Wolf Among Us or something? It seems to be a werewolf-themed one that I haven't played yet. But these are, uh, and then rather recently, a, a Game of Thrones uh, series, which is, um, these are sort of more like interactive stories. There's not a whole lot of what my wife would call video game bullshit. You know, it's uh, somewhat like old point-and-click adventures. And really, it's, it, again, it's an interactive story. And so like this is sort of like a, a, what? Like Mist or something? Yeah, maybe closer to that than it is yeah. to, you know, any sort of, you know, uh, Bioware game or something. It's not a big RPG with stats gotcha. and skills. It's, and it's just a good interactive sort of side story, like a lost chapter of the Game of Thrones universe. Um, as you have, uh, the Foresters and the White Hills, you know, battling over, uh, control of the Ironwood. It starts with the Night of the Red Wedding. Uh, and the fourth chapter ends not long after the uh, Purple Wedding. The third chapter ends about the time of the Purple Wedding. 
And so they release installments. If you get the first, it's like $5 for the first installment and then $5 for each afterwards. Or you can buy the whole set for like 20 so it saves you a few bucks. Um, or you can just wait. I'm sure when they finally get the last chapter out, they'll do what they did with the previous games and they just release it as like a $20 disc or a $30 disc and you can get it all in one shot. But like I said, if you like Game of Thrones, it, it does keep in the spirit, you know, they, you do have dead children, so yay. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a big plot thread in here. Um, a lot of betrayal and machinations. I think it's the first chapter. One of the characters in the Forrester family is a handmaiden to Marjorie. And you have to negotiate a conversation with uh, Cersei. Oh God! And and that's that gets a little tense because you because you don't know necessarily how things will will play out. You know, if you piss Cersei off in chapter one, you may not realize the ramifications of that until chapter three or chapter four. Um, you know, and who your allies are going to be and, and other such stuff. And they do get a lot of uh, all the voice actors, uh, not the voice, the actual actors from the show. I think come back. So you do have Lena Headley as, uh, as Cersei. You do have um, Peter Dinklage as Tyrion. Emily Clark as uh, Daenerys. Finally popped up in the fourth chapter. Uh, uh, Ramsay Bolton, Ramsay Snow has a big part in this because it's most a lot of the action takes place in the Winterfell area after the Boltons have taken over. So they are getting the actors involved and the storylines involved. Nice. Uh, that's good. And uh, so it's high recommend, I would assume. Yeah, it is for me. Again, it, it's it's a particular type of gameplay. If you if you're into twitchy games, it's not going to be the kind of game that you're necessarily going to want to play. But if you're looking more at, at at story and you're more interested in story than you are in the uh, the gameplay, then there's a good chance you'll end up liking what you, what they have to offer. Very good. All right. And especially uh, got- if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you're a Game of Thrones fan, so. Sure. Um, I got uh, some numbers. Uh, last week's episode, or season finale, um, was th- for those who watched it as it went or on HBO Go or HBO Now during the actual broadcast, uh, was 8.11 million folks, which is... Um, the highest rated episode of the season, and those are only U.S. viewers. Um, it did and about three point one million of those had sworn off watching the show ever again about three times this season. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, the season finale also got ninety seven percent good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, which makes it um, um, one of the. I get well to be honest. There's only only two episodes um, from season five that were under ninety percent, and that was number six, unbowed, unbent, and unbroken, and number nine, which is the Dance of Dragons. Mm. Um, uh, unbowed, unbent, unbroken actually got only fifty eight percent good reviews, while the Dance of Dragons was that just, the Sansa story. Yes, that was the yeah, was, was that Sansa story. That yep. that was yes, and Dance of Dragons got eighty eight percent. That's surprising. And uh, so yeah, that's that's uh, information. Uh, I do have further numbers if we want to go over any of them. But uh, what would you guys want to bring up first um, about this season? Well, 
I think I would say it was really slow in parts, particularly towards the beginning of the season. Um, and I don't think it was one of my, I don't think it was one of the better ep- seasons of Game of Thrones. Um, but it does have a couple of bright spots, uh, including one of the best episodes of the entire series in Hardhorn. Yeah, I would uh, agree pretty much exactly what you said, Eric. Uh, I thought it was uh, one of the weaker of the five seasons, similar to the one where Rob's stock screws up everything. That was a, a weak season as well. I forget if that was two or three. And three. It was three, okay. So um, I'm not sure if I liked this one better than three, but... Either way, the three and five would be my two least favorites. However, episode eight, as you said, Eric, arguably could be considered the best episode of the entire series, if not one of the not. It's definitely, it's definitely one of the top, top five. five. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there were some high points, I thought, in this episode from the introduction of uh, the Sparrow, High Sparrow, the death of Jorah Slint uh, to... Yeah, his name is Janos. You're thinking of oh, Jorah Janos. Mormont. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Janos Slint. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, some various other interesting things as well as uh, another, as you like to say, Mike, another uh, game sh- board shakeup or whatever because of, you know, the Stannis may mm-hmm. or may not be a player next season, as well as Jon Snow, as well as... Probably, possibly even Sansa. And, Pretty much everybody on this yeah. series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. Sam. Sam is fine. <laughs> Sam and Gilly. It's it's going to be a, it's going to be the adventures of Sam and Gilly and Little Sam. I'd watch it. Um, I don't know what the, much to say about uh, any specific episodes. So I guess we could probably just go around storylines and things like that. Um, and. Maybe we'll probably repeat some things that we discussed in the 20 hours we've already discussed from because each episode that we've done so far has been about two hours. Yikes. Yeah, well, let me just say, like, I think you're right. I, this very much goes with season three, and everyone remembers now season three for. Um, Red Wedding. What do you call it? Red Wedding. For the Red Wedding, right? It's it's Red Wedding, Red Wedding. Red Wedding. Red Wedding was awesome. You know, but that, it took us nine episodes to get to the damn Red Wedding. Right. And it was nine episodes of watching Theon get his penis cut off. Um, <laughs> which I know some people are into cut that, but... Uh, How's that work? Yeah. Well, there's a reason why the Kraken is their symbol. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good line. Good line. <laughs> So, you know, and you had, and it was a season of Brienne and Jamie wandering through the forest. Uh, and Jamie feeling sorry for himself and getting his hand cut off and fighting a bear. And, that's, uh, yeah. and you know, and, you know, there really wasn't much until you, bang, you got the payoff there. But then in season four, you get a lot of dominoes really hit. You get the Red Wedding and then the season finale. Uh-huh. And then what it was like two episodes in, you got the Purple Wedding. Season yep. four, yep. yep, and then and you get the purple wedding, you get the trial of Tyrion, you get the um, the mountain and the viper. the viper, you get the, the the battle at the wall, and and even then, and you, which which probably their well, I, it's it would be tough. The challenge is whether last season's episode ten or this season's episode ten is the best episode ten they probably had. Um, 
you know, because even that was that had the big battle between Brienne and the Hound, which was just so awesome. many slices of awesome. Yeah. Right. Well, ne- um, never, never, never mind the the uh, Tywin thing. What happened to Tywin? Oh yeah, killing Tywin. There's oh. all sorts of stuff in that last episode. But the point is that all oh. so much of season four would never have happened if it wasn't for all that setup that and, they and gave Mike, you and all Mike, that character work. Mike, and and also the opening episode of last season was awesome too. That was the the chicken scene. That was <laughs> yeah, the best. With that, was, that was the best scene of the whole series. I think I still love the chicken <laughs> scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's um, I, I, you can't judge necessarily season now. On its own. I mean, we have to because, you know, we've all got guns to our heads for the podcast. But um, <laughs> Phil, Phil's very strict task manager. Um, yeah, he is. Yes. But you know, maybe maybe uh, the hope is that it will pay off. And hypothetically, there's only two seasons left, right? So well, and here's they the have thing. to start paying shit off soon. Here's the thing. Uh, season five, I understand it, it was slow. It felt slow. But in comparison... I really got to give the showrunners credit because it actually, believe it or not, moved a hell of a lot quicker than the boot books do. So, well, I think one of the problems took, you have with the- they, they, they took about two thousand pages of text and compressed it into ten shows, uh, and for that, I say bravo. Uh, although uh, it did build to a crescendo at the end, so I guess just in general, that's that's the way they're going to do this show. Is that? Uh, we might have something interesting happening at the beginning of each season, maybe one or two incidents, but generally it's all going to build towards episodes eight, nine, and ten, and that's where you'll get the good stuff. Unless they do unless they do what they did last season, season four, where they had some really damn good episodes in the middle and the beginning. Okay, you never know. We'll find out. I think I, I think one of the things that the show um, that was an issue with the show is that. This was in a season where there was a lot of convergence. You know, that was, for me, one of the issues with season three is until you rewatch it, or I guess unless you knew the Red Wedding was coming, all the storylines were seemed completely separate from each other. Yeah. Right? Brienne wandering around with Jamie and, and Theon being tortured and Tyrion and Tywin, you know, sparring in uh, King's Landing and so forth. They're all were completely separate. And here this season, everything has to, with the exception of... Um, of Arya and the Jamie storyline, the Sand Snake storyline, all these threads somewhere meet up, right? You know, Ty- mm-hmm. Tyrion has to meet up with Danny, and and that unfortunately meant in order for characters to meet up at the same point, you had to have some episodes where certain characters were basically twiddling their thumbs, waiting for the con- so the timing could be right. Yeah, so that Tyrion arrives at the right time with Danny, that <clears throat> the. Uh, uh, that Stannis arrives at the right time, you know, with Sansa and all this, and, and, and all this other stuff is sort of coordinated and overlaps. That Littlefinger has to go to see Cersei, whose storyline has to be at a certain point when he gets there. So everything has to f- sort of fit together. And so, if there were a few episodes, I guess, of or in at least. It's an individual story arcs of somebody needs to solve for time because the person who's supposed to enter into their storyline isn't ready yet to get to that point. Or right. in the case of I felt with the um, with the sparrows where they had to hurry it up and they fast forward through the their early takeover, so to speak, 
right. their rise to power, so that way they can just move that storyline ahead. So I think that's part of it is just getting all these things converging. But uh, I, I I do think yeah one one problem was they mistakenly um, had Tyrion in a number of the early episodes. You know the you know when he's just traveling with Varys or whatever, and they probably should have just wiped those out and used that time to try to build up some of the weaker stories like uh, Dawn or Arya or something like that. And instead, just because maybe um, uh, Dinklage has in his contract or something that yes must appear in whatever number of episodes, who knows? But as we discussed in uh, the beginning of this podcast. Uh, in some of our earlier episodes of this podcast, that those scenes were kind of just a waste. Um, mm-hmm. So that was one thing I noticed, and, and again, Eric, that sums up perfectly to what you said, where it kind of is slow at the beginning because there's like unnecessary scenes, a lot in Dawn, a lot with Arya, a lot with Tyrion, and the main focus should have been on. Maybe more of uh, Jon Snow's story, or, or Stannis's story, or, yeah. or or the Sparrows for, for that. Oh, I'll agree with you on that point. Yeah, Mike, that may, may have slowed down the Sparrows for you to get it more. You know what of a threat they are, so that suddenly they just appeared. It's like, who are these people? Right, and there's so many things that. Uh, speaking for myself, and I think probably for a lot of fans, by no means all of them. So many of the strengths of the previous seasons were things like the machinations in um, King's Landing, whereas uh, Tyrion's uh, verbal wit um, and his interaction with Littlefinger or with um, Varys or with his father. And all these things kind of got taken off the board. And these are things that that's carried the series through and that probably is another thing that was missing, right? We didn't. Yeah, we had some fun with with uh, Bron and Jamie, some some witty banter there. But it, you know, I don't think it's that big a coincidence that the series starts picking up a bit once Tyrion gets to, to meet to Danny in the gift, uh, because he starts becoming his old self. So some of those familiar elements start well, coming Mike, back. I, I kind of um, disagree with you there because he, I thought even those episodes where he was there, and I mean, he had that one dinner scene with uh, Danny. That was kind of interesting, but his whole storyline for the whole season, besides, I guess, the the two or three episodes that he was alone with Jorah, in my opinion, uh, didn't amount to anything. And I didn't really enjoy his last few episodes because he did really nothing in uh, episode nine, you know, because he was just sitting there watching as the dragon, you know, that's the big show there. He did nothing in episode 10. Uh, except, you know, sit on stairs with a couple of people. He did, I mean, the only episode, in my opinion, that was really any significance was the one where he and Danny are at the dinner table. Right. So, so I don't really agree well, with Mike, because I think, anything, story, there was some... I, think, I think his story was really kind of weak the whole whole season. But go on. Yeah, but there was, it, it's... A lot of it's just the the, the the witty dialogue people want to hear from him, and even things and the delivery. But it's anyway. But um, I don't I don't think that's why you started, getting, is- you started also. But you also started getting into things moving along at King's Landing towards the end, uh, as that plot starts building to a head. 
Well, that's the Cersei. reason why I think the second part of the season was good, not because of Tyrion and his wit. I think it was more well, because... But, that's, the, but you've already said you didn't have any interest in the other storylines. Uh, but so, again, again, though, you're trying to tell me that the Tyrion storyline... No, I'm saying time. that is one element. No, I'm saying that's one element of it. That there are familiar elements in a series that you always tune in to see, and you're comfortable, and that's part of it with being a, a TV series. And it's always the balancing act for a TV series is that there are things people like to see, okay. and sometimes they turn into you know, into overused tropes, you know, and sometimes they become a crutch. But yep. people tune in to some degree expecting some of the familiar elements to be there, and. You know, an episode or two that that shakes things up is one thing, but having five episodes of of uh, Tyrion moping in a boat is not what people are tuning in to see with Game of Game of Thrones. And if there's not right. anything else to get them excited, and it wasn't there, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of political intrigue the way we're used to, you know, because Varys was gone, and then basically Littlefinger vanishes halfway through the 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 uh, episodes as well, right? And they didn't have much to do with it. So there's a whole bunch of things that were familiar elements from previous seasons. And we also have characters taking center stage that we didn't necessarily give too much, uh, two shits about for most of the series. Or didn't even, or, or sort of Johnny Come Lately's like the Boltons. Right? When, and we start mourning the loss of the character, like the Tywin Lannisters and, uh, and the Hounds. Oh, I wish they were still around. Who the hell is this Quiburn creep? I want to go back to. Tyrion Lannister, right? It's um, and so you're forcing people to kind of build new attachments to characters that weren't the ones they've been watching for four years. Right, right. No, that, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I mean, they've been able to do well in most cases. Like um, wh- whether we like Ramsay as a character or not, um, because he's a, he's a bad guy. Uh, his character is interesting when he's on. Uh, Tyrion Tywin was always interesting when he's on. So they've wiped out characters like Rob Stark. Um, and Ned Stark and Tywin, who are all interesting characters, um, in my opinion, and replaced them with others that have have been good. And they've also added, or, or I should say, um, increased the roles of players like uh, Baelish and and things like that. And and so that hasn't really bothered me. I, I don't know if. What it is, I, I just think it was just, as Eric said, it was just a s- slow story. This well, season. and here's the thing, though, is that it needs to be done at times to get the story to where it needs to go. Um, they had to get Tyrion to, to Marine. Um, and so it just had to happen. Uh, could they have just cut that part out and then showed him arriving at Marine? Yeah, I suppose they could have. Um but they already cut Bran out of this entire season. Um, so they were just trying to keep people involved with the characters they came to love with, like Mike was saying. Right. Yeah, um, I mean, you you have... Um, I mean, the Dorn thing, nobody cares about Marcella. Right? Nobody I mean, cares about who, who Dorn, cares about- man. That was the... Oh, God, that whole storyline well, fucking Dorn, drove me we, nuts. I, well, I think Dorn at the beginning, people were like, oh, we're going to Dorn. And we got there, we're like, Wally World is closed. This sucks. I, I don't know how it, this it, could, it was, I don't know it was, how this was this not worth the journey. Story-wise, but I really want to see the dragons lay, lay waste to Dorne, because they wasted my fucking time this season. Yeah, the only thing I liked Duran, I gotta be honest, I liked uh, the character, 
He's yeah. He, we only saw him in small bits, but he was like, "Oh, look, there's a decent human being in in, in Westeros. He's been hiding off in the corner somewhere." <laughs> um, and and then his sister fucks everything up on him. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, speaking of Dawn and speaking of Marcella Baratheon, um, who I think it was you, Mike, that said, "Who cares?" or, or Eric Winnie just did. Um, the actress Nell Tyrell. Oh, right, she's Baratheon. I said, "Wait, isn't she a Lannister?" Oh, wait, no, of course. <laughs> yeah. Right. She's named uh, Baratheon. Uh, Nell Tiger Free <laughs> is the actress, and she actually did tweet last week uh, thanking Game of Thrones and her fans. Uh, in, in other words, saying that her character is dead, basically. Yeah. So we we can assume based off of that that we will not be seeing Marcella Baratheon anymore, unless unless you know this is one of their little tricks that. Um, Game of Thrones trying to do, but I, I doubt it. But she's not a character anyone cares enough about to do a little trick with. Nobody's going to go, oh, thank God, she's still alive! You know, it's just, they're all going to be going, Jon Snow, Whatever. fucking Jon Snow, what happened to Jon Snow? <laughs> so, and this is no offense to the actress who did fine for what little she was asked to do. They had a very nice, touching farewell scene with, with Jamie Lannister. Uh, but we're being asked to invest in this poorly contrived plotline in the first place. So, for a character that we barely knew in the first and second season, and then he got shipped off to Dorne, and we all forgot about, and I'm pretty sure maybe my wife had forgotten that there was another Lannister child, oh, sorry, Baratheon child hanging out there somewhere. I hadn't forgotten, I just didn't care. Yeah, but you've read the books. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. right. I'm sure. I mean, I imagine a lot of the TV viewers, you know, the the, the non-readers probably forgot she was there, unless there's somebody like me who's now watched the series, you know, four or five, six times, probably. Mm, um, the hobby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now, uh, Eric, Eric, um, again, now that the, this is actually kind the, of it, yeah, the, but now that the. Uh, Books and TV show are past each other, uh, or TV shows actually past the books in a sense. Um, huh. I don't think it is any um, a, any spoiler to ask. Uh, does Marcella Baratheon is she does she die in the books or have we I, not? I don't. Yet? I honestly don't remember. Gotcha. Like you said, you don't care. About the character. If, if I remember correctly, because I've now that we've kind of caught up, I've read a bit more on. Where these characters are in the books, and I think, <sighs> anyhow, uh, <laughs> she—I think she got her ear cut off, but I think she's still alive. Something, something like that. Um, I think this is all. I, I have ideas as to how this is going to play out. I don't know if it's my ideas or how, or how they actually will play out, but I think this is all. Um, I think for me, this is all setting up, getting you know, moving into the uh, end game. You know, if you've ever, uh, have you, you've played chess? <laughs> right. Right. The, the end game is basically defined as the, it's a little vague, but it, besides being the end of the game, it's usually defined as when most of the pieces are off the board. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, that clear space, it allows the, the big piece, the rooks, the castles to start to come into play. Mm-hmm. The kings become more powerful. Um, and, you know, the queens, of course, are always the, the ruling bitches. Um, and so you look, all these characters have died. Most of the pieces are off the board. The dragons and the whites have started to come into play. And this really is just kind of shouting, 
you know, and the, the sides are starting to consolidate a bit. Um, well, and here's the thing about this, the books. This is, this is screaming endgame. If we're not there yet, we will be soon. Here's the thing is that I found book four and five to be such a disappointment in comparison with the first three books of the series that I think I may have blocked out part of them. Uh, because I really don't have that great of a recollection of books four and five. Because I was just like, what the fuck is this? Um, so that being said, I am going to be really, really, really angry if he comes out with book six before season six of the TV series debuts. Because uh, I really would just prefer to deal with the television series from here on out. I don't want to read book six or seven. But if it comes out before the show... God knows I'll be compelled to go read it, and I have a feeling that's what they're planning on doing to create a shit ton of book sales for George R. R. Martin. Um, and I do remember, Eric, when uh, you were reading these books uh, like two or three years ago, um, and I was asking you when you started book four, you actually at one point texted me back saying, I'm done with Game of Thrones books for at least another six months and I'll return to it then because I'm like it's it's just uh, what is it a slodging through yeah yeah it was it was a pretty bad experience for me right um, yeah well to be fair I mean there are uh, people who I guess still enjoy the books or or at least have are obsessed over them enough that they're right. very disappointed that so much has changed Uh yeah, I know they have to serve the the greater good here, and part of it is that they have, well, one, you have the limitations of a TV series, and that you do have mm-hmm. only so many settings you can do, and there are only so many characters. And Game of Thrones is already busting budgets, as it is, you know, with the amount of on location shooting, the, the the vast number of characters they have, you know, some of whom have only very small bits here and there, and they can't do all the various storylines that my understanding is that took place in books four and five, they need to tighten it up for that. And it's somewhat to blame on George Martin for for taking so damn long that they're kind of like, okay, we got to move this. We can't wait for you to to end it. They kind of have to fast forward through to get to their point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, um, it is what it is. You know, you either, you either appreciate what they gave you, whether you, you know, and appreciate the adaptation and just recognize it's its own beast. And rec- but the problem is I think a lot of people don't get the necessity for making the changes. Right, right. No, and, and again, you know, that's, that's book fans to, um, to the TV series or, or, well, and for, I or for get movies. That. I get that. I really do. Because I'm the same way about uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Um, you know, so... I, I get that people are, are are in love with the books and don't want to see them tampered with. Um, I just personally didn't find them intriguing enough to cling to them that much. But also with with Kubrick's The Shining, my issue with it is that you know they they cut out the thing that actually serves as the title of the book. You know, it's all the stuff about Danny and his powers, and it's like, and like, we're gonna call it The Shining, and then we're gonna completely marginalize that story. You know, that was the, they're marginalizing the stuff that was sort of the heart of, or one of the, certainly the main plot points of, uh, all right, well, well, let's, let's of The Shining. Uh, so, yeah. But, but Eric, you do have a good point. There's gonna be fans of, of books, you know, people loved, um, certain books, and, 
of course, sometimes you're, you're not happy with uh, what has been transpired on screen. Right. Um, now, uh, a couple of things I was thinking about or I heard from people or whatnot, but this one I actually just was thinking about it at first, and then I heard some podcasts talking about it, which was interesting that they were thinking basically the same as me. And one option idea I heard, heard, or I should say they people have began thinking as I have, which is there's a possibility that Stannis isn't dead, that Brienne swings the sword and cuts the in the tree or something, and next season we're going to have Podrick, Brienne, and Stannis off on their own as a team, or Brienne and Stannis mm. on their own as a team with Pod finding um, Sansa and Theon and heading off with them. And I don't know, man. Even even if she hadn't chopped his head off, he didn't really look like he was going to make it through the night anyway. <laughs> yeah, he I did have a feeling on on the on the leg. That's true. Yeah, this is going back to what I've been saying all along: is the Stannis on the throne, right? So you're right; they don't show it. And if he is back, and I'm leaning more and more towards that line because let's be honest the one thing that Brienne can't do is fulfill an oath <laughs> and she hasn't protected son so she didn't protect Caitlin she didn't protect family and true. why in the world would she couldn't protect Jamie and why would she finally why would she be able to kill so why why uh, did, why does Stannis. Jamie give her the sword called Oathkeeper? Well because she tries to keep her oath <laughs> She, he's oath breaker. He, she's oath failure. Um, <laughs> he should have given her a sword called complete and utter failure. <laughs> Which, by the way, notice how well, <laughs> I'm waiting for the feminist to pick up on. Wait a minute, Brian's a total loser. <laughs> Hold on, we thought she was a strong, independent, female, modern woman. No, fuck, they just made her out to be. Nothing. Anyway, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me if she lets him live, because let's be. This is a show that has nothing against beheading. Now they could do what they did in season one, right, where the sword falls and on Ned Stark, and the birds fly off, and everybody looks away, and and then some people are like, well, maybe it was just a flesh wound, <laughs> you know, and then they open up the next episode, and it's like, nope, beheaded Ned. Definitely yeah. dead, no yeah. question. Um, so, th- so it may very well start with the Stannis's head being rolled around on the floor uh, as little children play soccer with it or something. But, <laughs> Ramsey. <laughs> but you know what? If you are going to have, if Stannis is not the one to sit on the throne, and I think everything that happened this season, I think Stannis will be the first one to take himself off the throne, right? To put himself out of the running, right? Oh. Right, he'll say, you know what, I don't deserve this. I'm not entitled to it. But I could still see him at some point sitting on the throne. But you know, but I could see him being, let's say, oh, we need a military advisor for perhaps Jon Snow. Yeah, mm, yeah, but I, I is uh, if they if he's not dead, then I don't think that's fair. Because uh, even if she hadn't killed him, he should have died anyway, and the whole thing's bullshit if he's alive. Well, that's what we're going to find out. He'll either be dead, and Brienne will be off and doing whatever she's doing, or 
she's going to nurse him back to health or something, or you know, put it, do something with his wounds or something. Right. I don't know. I, be- I don't think. I think he was. He was certainly injured to the point that if he was left there, he would have died. But I think right. Phil's right. She could have, once he's gotten aid. I think it's possible he could survive whatever his wounds are. So in the space of two seconds, she's going to go from chopping off his head to nursing him back to health. Uh, not necessarily. Not like two seconds. Yeah, uh, that's about how much time she has to decide not to chop his head off when she starts swinging. Oh, oh yeah, right. But after she <laughs> she chooses not to chop his head off, assuming that's the way the story goes, uh, she would sit down next to him and. Who knows? You know, I mean, you know, whatever they have in mind. So she sits uh, down next to him and says, "I never liked that Ponce anyway." That's right. He was a well, ponce. no, but the question is, can would Brienne bring herself to killing, um, to, to to executing a helpless man in front of her? Right. That that it wouldn't have anything to do with that she missed. Well, actually, could, but you know, or that she falls in. <laughs> Or that she decides she didn't like Renly or anything like that. It's here's this broken, beaten, injured man who's sitting in front of her, just saying, "Go ahead, off with my head." Where's the fun in that? I don't think she's. That's like the deer walking up to you and grabbing the barrel and going, "Go now, shoot me." (laughs) Or maybe she just maybe when she rolls her die to to swing, she rolls a natural zero uh, and ends up falling on her own sword. All right. Well, anyway, anyway, that that was just a theory. That was just a theory where because they, as we've noticed, our uh, this uh, the show uh, Game of Thrones likes pairing up people, and um, that was since they didn't show the actual beheading, and as we've discussed, they have no issues uh, doing so usually. Well, here's the thing, though. Uh, it also takes money to show a beheading, at least in any way that looks good. Uh, and they spent a lot of money in those last few episodes on, uh, hard home and dragons. Uh, so maybe it was just a budget issue that, that they didn't have enough fake blood left to squirt out of a fake neck stump. Well, well, on the one hand, you look at so many characters whose fates in this episode, or last episode were left undecided that I would think that they wouldn't, that, they, that if they were sealing his fate, that they'd want to show that to you to make it clear. Although these are also, at the same time, the people who didn't realize that they wrote it, that wrote and filmed a scene in which Jamie raped Cersei. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, say, maybe I'm giving him these, too much credit. I don't think the people who run these shows have any problem leaving anything unclear. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, you could argue that every cliffhanger we pretty much can guess exactly what's going to happen. Uh, but there's all, since it is Game of Thrones, though, you know, they've pulled the rug uh, from under us many times. So even though everybody's thinking, oh, Jon Snow will be resurrected by the Red Witch, or uh, Danny is going to somehow unite the the Bedouin tribe, or whatever they're called, the, the Thrakis, um, or Theon and Sansa are going to land in a snowbank and not be splattered. Uh, you know, you're going on and on and on. And that's the obvious. But, again, and, and, you know, the other obvious would be Stannis is, is dead. His head got chopped off. But we don't know. We, this is the same gr- group of folks who have tricked us many times. So it wouldn't surprise me if... Yeah, but I think I think with a good show, when you're telling a story, the, the story logic has to work. And it either works in, in that... And that's why it shouldn't be a big deal 
for you to watch the show and say this is where it's headed. This was mentioned Dexter in the past where they they didn't want to do what the audience was expecting, and so they were deliberately throwing things in by the end so that people couldn't guess what they were going to do, and you ended up with some very questionable story decisions that were made simply because, well, we have to, we can't make it predictable. You know, if you're, if the story is being told well, you know, there are certain logical consequences to characters' actions and behaviors. And then if there is something unexpected that happens, you should be able to look at it in hindsight and realize, Okay, so it was like the death of Ned Stark or um, the Red Wedding. These are all things that kind of make sense in hindsight, even if you didn't see it forthcoming. If, um, you know, season uh, six opens up with Drogon snatching Jamie out of a boat and eating him, that would be like complete horseshit. That would be, we just threw that in there to throw people off. <laughs> right. Right. So there had, if, if, if their if their plan is to bring Jamie um, bring Jon Snow back, I would hate for them to decide. Oh no, too many people have figured out that plot twist. We can't possibly do that because then that throws off the entire story arc. Well, and I also think that's a bullshit reason for changing a story. No matter who's doing it, right? Nobody says. Well, Star Star Wars would have been so much more awesome if it was Porkins who blew up the Death Star. We all knew <laughs> it was going to be Luke. That was so totally predictable, <laughs> right? We should have Luke should have been blown up, you know, and Wedge should have blown up to the start, you know, because nobody yeah, but, would have seen that coming. But but th- this is a little different here. This there's so many major characters, and it's a TV show, so you're able to have numerous character lines, unlike say well, a two-hour okay, movie. And, you know. and, and and that brings me to a point I wanted to make when we were doing our lists. I think we should do our lists because we've really been babbling on for a while yet. Um, as far as you were saying major characters, Phil, you, you asked us in preparation for this episode to do best actor, best actress, best supporting actor, best supporting actress, which led me to the question. I, I mean, I made some choices in my own head, <laughs> but led me to the question, how do you define on this series where there are indeed so many major characters, who the hell should fall in the actor, actress category and who falls in the supporting category? Well, I'll tell you how I did it. I did it based off of um, Wikipedia's Season 5 Game of Thrones page, which has a main cast, and it lists about 30 characters, and then a guest cast, which lists another 100. And so, for example, uh, the main cast would include everybody from Peter Dinklage and Lena Headey all the way down to uh, Tom... Well, Chiha, who played Jacques and Hagar, and Dean Charles Chapman, who played Tom and Baratheon. And then the guest cast would be everybody from the Sand Snakes to um, Jonathan, okay. Jonathan Price to uh, Daniel Portman, who played Prodrick, you know, on and on and on. So that's how I, I did it. Okay. Uh, but, but that's just me. I mean, if you did it differently, you know, that's quite fine as well. No, I just that, that was just a, a question I had. Uh, did I do it that way? I ended up doing it that way, so we're fine. All right, very good. Uh, all right, so did you want to just go through the list at first and why we think they are basically what we're doing? We're doing best actor, best actress, best supporting actress, best supporting actor, uh, the Raspberry Award, meaning you know someone that that was. Terrible. Whether it's it may not be their fault. It could be the script, script writing, which we've discussed many times this season. Mm-hmm. 
um, as well as you know various other things that we may want to discuss. And uh, I just want to be clear that all my choices are based in the context of season five only. That's um, exactly right. Because exactly. if I had to choose best actor for the entire series, that would be different than my choice of best actor for this season. Yep, I would agree with that. Mike, are you still there? You seem to, you disappeared on us. I'm here. No, we were just talking a lot, so he couldn't say anything. Very well. <laughs> and so it has nothing to do with the fact that I completely forgot about this list and was trying to make up some decisions. It has nothing to do with it whatsoever. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Well, Mike, since uh, you were the quiet one trying to figure out your list, uh, who do you think was the best actor for the for this year? And, and um, thought, you know, so so not the character itself, but but the person who played the. the and it's hard because again, that that whole thing of actor and supporting actor is a really hard line to draw. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a tough think, one for sure. See, like I'm going to go. I mean, I, I don't. Because I, I mean, you can get really bitty with with some of these, but um, like I gotta say, I mean, I really I I like Braun a lot, and, and so I think that actor carried a lot of that storyline. As there was not great writing, but his performance, the actor, carried it. Yeah. I don't know if he would count as a lead actor, but he was um, certainly out, or if he would count as supporting. I think it's close enough for our purposes. Yeah, yeah, and he's listed by as main cast. Jerome Flynn is listed as main cast under. The Wikipedia. All right, then I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Braun. I, I really like Braun. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Because he wasn't given a lot to work with it and made the most of it. Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, uh, Stephen Delane, who plays Stannis Baratheon, because he yeah. was able to um, make literally everybody in the audience begin to root for him after his character was like most people were indifferent for the past three years. Uh, to being hated, to being um, that just that last episode that he was in, episode ten alone, where he's defeated and and all that, um, and just you know his his uh, face and the way he acted when um, he saw his his daughter die and such, even though he wanted to do it, but he was horrified and, and disgusted that he was doing it. So. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, that's who I would choose, I think. Um, Stephen Delane, I thought he did a hell of a job. And again, there's a lot. I mean, Mike, uh, Jerome Flynn, you're right, he was absolutely awesome this, this season. Ewan uh, Rion, who plays Ramsey, was, was absolutely fantastic this year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, John Snow, Kit Harrington, was really good this year. Uh, so there, there was a lot, a lot of really good uh, actors this year, and I would even say for even though he was only in five or six of the episodes, uh, Aiden Gillen, who played Little Finger, was was pretty damn good this year as well. Um, Eric, what about yourself? Uh, well, I also went with Stephen Delane as Stannis uh, for the same reasons that you said. Um, plus, he was just so good at being a puppet; I could see the strings coming off of him. Uh, <laughs> No, but, uh, yeah, exactly everything you said, Phil. Uh, he did manage to kind of, uh, make the character more palatable this year, right before he yanked the rug out from under you and burned his daughter alive. Uh, and he did it all very convincingly. Uh, so he was my choice as well, although I did consider Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, he was good too. Yeah. All right, very good. Um, Mike, what about for best actress? 
I I don't know if there's any question it has to go to Liam Hetty for Cersei. Okay. Any reasons or anything? She was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> really, <laughs> the... <laughs> The, the only other actress that I'm thinking of that had a substantial amount of screen time was Amelia Clark in a storyline that wasn't quite as compelling. Right. And didn't require her, I think, to do. But, um, although I think she did a fine job, there were different things. But I, even if it's just for the walk yeah. of shame yeah. alone, and not just the look I, we we can deduct points for body double okay i'm fine with but um you know her facial expression and her reaction to the audience and she has to play so many different things cuz she, she has cuz on the one hand she's she's going to be embarrassed and humiliated but it's still Cersei. so she's not damn it going to be embarrassed and humiliated she's just taking names you know it and you have all these conflicted things going on in the character's head but you have to follow her throughout the season and really that episode in particular gives her more to play off of than just you know the sneering bitch which is what she was for most for a good portion of the season she just has sort of that note to hit but, uh, you know, things like even we forget earlier in the season when she has her talks with Tommen and, you know, and she's trying to manipulate him. And you know, really, it's like I said, I think the only other actress, I mean, because you lost um, Marjorie very early. Right. Well, about five episodes, six episodes in, she disappears. We don't really get to see her much again. Mm-hmm. Um, so she she was out for the last three or four episodes. Uh, Sansa was there, but very small parts. But I, I think, and again, like just like the actors, there's so many good performances. It's really hard to go wrong. But I right. think Cersei's arc was such a major piece. It's hard to not give it to her. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's who I chose as well, Mike. Um, again, um, the you know the walk of shame was, was just unbelievable. But I agree with everything you said prior. I, I just liked how she played this clueless megalomaniac psychopath in like the shell unaware and thinking that she was untouchable and she played it so well um and and you know Hedy has always been known as a pretty decent actress anyway um and for her to to pull all that off and then just the the walk of shame with the it was just a cherry on top of how fantastic her role was uh this this year so uh i'm i'm going with her as well i did consider uh diana riggs uh even though her her scenes weren't as many she had some damn good um scenes i mean she was the one that that um had the great scene with her and cersei's where she basically talks about the queen that's a talk you know, and, and things like that. It was just awesome. And I also was considering Sansa because she, um, her, the actress that played her, how she, um, came out of her shell, but then was like, you know, as we saw in, in episode six or whatever, where she, she got, um, in trouble again. But then at the end where she just, you know, you know, after this, this, it's all over. I'll just do what I got to do, and even if that's just suicide. And so, uh, I thought she was really good as well uh, this season. Um, what about you, Eric? 
Uh, I also chose Lena Headley, Haiti, whatever. Uh, just because, I mean, uh, I knew the walk was coming and I was waiting for it with eager anticipation all season long because Cersei's such a bitch and she so had it coming. Uh, so I was gleeful about the walk of Shing. I knew it was going to happen. I couldn't wait. And then when we got there, uh, she did a good enough job to make me feel sorry for this character that I absolutely despise. Um, so yeah, she won my vote. Yep. Very good. Um, all right. So, uh, best supporting actor, Mike. And again, this is tough because there's so many good actors in this. And finding who is the supporting actor is a little difficult. Yeah, I um, made a choice myself. I was just like, eh, supporting main, I don't know, but I'll choose him anyway. Right, like I, uh, I, I could be tempted to go with Sam, or but Sam is almost a main character. If I went with Braun with a main character, then Sam's kind of a main character too, right? It's uh, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go what I said uh, as uh, before, which was uh, as Prince Duran as Alexander Sadiq. Uh, oh, he wasn't given okay. a lot to do, and uh, he was only in a couple of episodes, and there were short scenes, but in that time, he convincingly portrayed a man of authority and of, of wisdom and compassion. And a character really would would like to see of moving forward, and it'd be kind of disappointing if that's all that we ever get from him. Yep, that's 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 fair. That's fair. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Owen Teal, who plays Alistair Thorne. Um, huh. I, I thought Interesting I thought yep. yeah, I thought every I mean he always holds himself as a a I guess. Um, a uh, royal because you know he comes from an important family and whatnot and he seems uses logic generally and he keeps to his guns and the actor that plays him um plays him perfectly doesn't go over the top could make this guy uh, a joke of a character but instead keeps him with dignity even when he does things that we may not like and so yeah i i i think um he he was he was my favorite supporting actor this year. Um, my choice is, and there there could be debate as to whether or not he's actually a supporting actor or whether he should be a lead actor. But I said Alfie Allen as Theon slash Reek. Um, okay, because it, uh, he did a fantastic job. I I love how he's playing that character. Uh, how how he's been through all the torture and everything and he's a broken man now uh and he's constantly trying to remind himself that he's reek he's reek he's reek he's not theon i just i kind of love that bit uh so that was my vote yep that's a, that's a good one um I, I didn't consider him for that role because of his um as a as a main character so i consider him but then again diana rig is considered a supporting actress and i considered i threw her in but, with the the main cast so well then that's part of what i was saying at the beginning is it's so hard to decide who's lead and who's supporting it's like what uh they're all good right <laughs> right like she was only in diana rig was in like two episodes yeah uh, maybe three but yeah, which, two, which, two which episodes, was i think yeah. the same number that which was the, and varus was only like three episodes yeah. you know so is he a main character or is he not it, it's 
Yeah, it's, it's very bizarre. And it's hard when you say, like, Varys, he plays Varys, always does a great job, but he didn't do the season, let's say, than he's done in the four seasons past. I think with, with Reed, he, even though it's like, let me guess, I'm, uh, I'm playing uh, Humbled and Terrified, right? Is that, that's what I'm playing today? You know, it's, he, he still had to move his character arc a little forward so that you would get to the moment where he got his balls back in that final episode. Right. Yep. That's true. And you see that arc play out. And, and of course, you you are only you don't mean literally get his balls back. <laughs> oh no! And actually, I'm not sure that we know that the, the that the uh, we don't know if it was just the twig or the twig. Jack was taken with the rod. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, yes. I think it, it was the tire, but yeah. Um, all right, so let's go. Move yeah, probably. On. Yes, probably. Uh, let's move on. Uh, what about uh, best supporting actress, Mike? Uh, that one that one was pretty easy for me, I think. Uh, although there was a lot, a lot of uh, characters that did a great job, uh, once again, but, uh, Brigitte Yort Sorensen, who played, uh, uh, Carsey, who is the female, uh, wildling in Hardhome. Mm-hmm. The one who gets, the one, uh. Oh, oh the one, one episode. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the, the one that says, you know, fuck her ancestors because they're dead. Um, yep. yeah, because she very quickly created a compelling character, a character that we did think was gonna hang around longer. And therefore, a character that when she died had, even though she really was, as you said, Phil, she it turns out was just a red shirt, but she faked this out pretty good for her ten minutes on screen. No, no, that's a good choice. I didn't even think of her. And, and I would say if you, yeah. if you had never watched, let's never watch Game of Thrones, and for some reason started with Hardhome, yep. you would probably not realize that that character had never been seen before. I would agree with that statement. Yeah. No, no, it's good. Good one. Uh, for me, um, this one seems like an obvious one, um, but I'm, I'm going to go with it anyway. Uh, Kerry Ingram, who plays Shireen Baratheon. Oh, um, that was the other yeah, choice good. I considered. Yeah, and and again, she only had a few scenes as well. Um, I mean, it says here that she was on five episodes, but, you know, you could argue that she was only on for 20 minutes of the whole season. But those 20 minutes, even though it was written in a certain way for us to, you know, care for her and whatnot, um, she was able to carry forward from her prior seasons the type of character that she was in this season. And her um, willingness to follow her father, not not ever expecting her father, never mind her mother, to be honest, when I think about it, would do what they did to her. And um, and then, of course, her, her death scene, um, she played it like as if it was something you see in some horrible documentary from some foreign country where there's a civil war going on. I mean, it was just horrible. Uh, so, I, yeah, that's sort of how I went with uh, Eric. Uh, my choice was also Brigitte Hjort Sorensen for the same reasons that uh, Mike put forth. She was on screen for 10 minutes uh, and managed to make you care about her enough that you were bummed when she got killed. Uh, and that takes a fair amount of talent to, to, to make you care about a character in that short of time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that was what was great about that entire episode was because that episode built her character up as well as the leader of the Fens. Or, or the Thens mm-hmm. up pretty pretty well too, and both of them die in that uh, 
episode and, and only had like 10 minutes each. And, and I felt like they were important characters and were planning to be important characters. And I was shocked that they were both red shirted. Um, so I, I, I agree that that was a good pick too. Um, now Mike, who's your, your, um, uh, raspberry, the, the terrible character. Well, I have a feeling it's, it, it, well, I don't know if it's a, the character. It's the my the way is it, am I giving a raspberry uh, award to an actor or just well, that, that's yeah, the thing. an it, actor. It, it may not be the actor's fault or actress's fault, but um, based off of the, the performance, uh, and because no matter what reason, I'm going then. Okay, I was going to go for raspberry the the entire Dorn arc. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a joke about that myself. <laughs> But, Fuck door. But if I'm if I have to, so so if I have to, I'm going to go with whoever was the lead. Illyria, what is that? The 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 head oh, sand snake. The head oh, sand snake. Okay. That, oh no, when you say the head sand snake, you don't mean the the mother. You mean one of the three girls? No, I mean her. That's the one. Whoever the it was the one of that yeah, that that mother. Because because okay. the whole plot thing was her idea, and therefore, uh, you know, I just and therefore she should be punished. Exactly, and uh, <laughs> again, she didn't. Unlike the, uh, the 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 daughter, we never got the boobs, so she's getting, so she gets punished. Um, there was just a lot of uh, there was a lot of bad stuff in that, and like all the you know the 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 uh, contrivance you know, that people complained about. It was the worst in that storyline, and. Yeah, yeah. So, with that storyline, she's the first character I think of. So I'm getting Raspberry, even though it's probably not fair. All right. Um, yeah, I'm gonna do something similar, but I'm specifically choosing Obara Sand, which is the the leader of the Sand Snakes, the out of the three women, because she's the one with the spear. Because that intro that she performed, and again, it's not her fault, not the actress's fault, Keisha Castle Hughes's fault. It's specifically the the writing, and where she gives that stupid speech, and then takes the spear and throws the spear into the guy's head that's buried in the sand, and I was like, this is terrible. And, And so I have to give the raspberry specifically to her because she, unfortunately, was given arguably the, the worst line of the whole series and the whole, uh, whole okay I have to disagree with you because uh, my raspberry award goes to yet another sand <laughs> <laughs> I chose Rosabella Lorenzi Sellers Tyene sand uh, and although she was kind enough to show us her breasts uh, or, oh god her character is just awful uh, and I think the Raspberry Award has to be awarded for that line in the last episode about you want a bad girl, but you need a bad pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or something like that. Yeah. You want a good girl, but you want need a bad pussy. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes. And plus, she's doing this accent that's not an accent. She just sounds like she can't talk right. And yeah, so she gets uh, the Raspberry Award for me. Fair enough. Yeah. So, so pretty much as as. The three of us have agreed is one Fuck of Thorne. yeah what, what, the sand snake whole storyline and and her their leader were, were just horrible and to be honest the character so, the leader the one that you picked Mike for her transition from last year to this year in like one eighty from just uh, whoever she was to this evil 
whatever. Right. It was yeah. just didn't fit right either. Yeah, it was just weird. The whole thing. Yeah, it's the whole thing, and you know, I guess we have to give a special, uh, not the not the Brasbury Prize to the 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 fourth of the that quartet. You know, who managed to be so nondescript that she didn't piss us all off. Um, <laughs> well, well, actually, you know what, Mike? She was the one that was p- playing the stupid slap game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she was the one that says, you're just not good enough. I'm quicker than you. And it's like, ugh. Yeah, uh, even, you know what? I'm going to say the same thing. It's like when we talk about the uh, the actress from Hard Home who did a great job. And the truth is, you know, I've said this a lot on the Dark Discussions podcast. So much credit has to go to the writer who puts the dialogue in their mouth in the first place. Their delivery of it certainly helps because you could give a great line a bad delivery. Uh, although then, hopefully then, they never would have been cast in the first place. And then the, you know, the direction for, for, for the, for the and the editor and all. Takes, yeah. yeah, she chooses which of the takes that she may have done. And for all you know, like that one line reading you really loved was the one where she's going, oh no, don't use that one. Don't use that one. And the same thing though applies to the bad performance and or the bad characters and and you know these these actresses i i am you want again i was raised to need a bad pussy (laughs) yeah i was i was raised on the william shatner school of acting so sometimes subtlety and nuance (laughs) escapes me um but i i don't have an ear for 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 dialect and for accents you know, but certainly, so their accent didn't bother me as much as it apparently bothered the entire rest of Western civilization. Um, but you know, actresses were basically, it seems to be told, uh, see what Oberon did last season? You have to do that accent. Right. And didn't seem to come across that well. And they didn't, this, they didn't come up with the slap scene. They didn't come up with a story about the father with the spear that made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, but they took the job, so fuck them. Because they're actors who need to be paid. It was <laughs> that or or, or be a, go back to being a waitress at uh, Taters or whatever that place was. Who, who, Starry Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, no offense to the actresses, but it, it's the fact that these are all in the same arc. And one of them won an I, I Academy Award, didn't she? It was Oscar nominated. Bad storyline. It it was just an awful storyline that they seemed to know what to do with. And Mike, you said one of them was nominated for uh-huh. an Oscar at one time. Yeah, one of them. I don't remember which one. Oh, that's I think. Yeah. Right, right. No, it's possible. Yeah, it's just again, it, uh, it was the storyline most likely more than the actress's faults. Very much. You know, we we could say the storyline for like Brienne was pretty bad this year because all she did was sit. Oh, Brienne was wasted this year. Um, or, or the first. I mean, well, I she got to stand there. That's yeah, that's true. my point. After that kick-ass fight against the Hound at the end of the previous season, she just fucking stands around at the edge of the woods all season well, five. You know what she? But you know what she did. <laughs> Have she had a chat? And we're forgetting, I think, a lot of what happened early in the season. And I, I am, uh, I, I'm reminded of some of it now. She'd had the scene where she told uh, the story of you know how she was where the term the name Brienne the Beast came from, oh, and yeah. um, how she you know, and she has that nice scene with Podrick around the campfire. She has yeah. that scene with Littlefinger in the. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The, the I was going to say diner, but it was obviously it's not a diner. Yeah, but, the tavern. I was at. Oh yeah, um, yeah I forgot but, that but, was the season. You're right. That was, was a it? Good yeah, but then, 
that but was that's all in like the first two episodes, and then thing for the next eight. Right, so right. we tend to forget that they had some scenes. You know, Littlefinger had some some moments, but he didn't have much to do this season. But again, by episode five or so, he's gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's weird. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, because he traveled, he traveled to, right? He traveled to the Red Keep in an episode, yeah. and he's still apparently trudging through. He got lost. Well, well, you know, it was somewhere weird along the way. It, what it, weird, is weird is his, his last scene was with Diana Riggs saying, "I have someone for you," as I, you know, gave someone to search. A his. handsome young man. Yeah, and then he just disappears, and we don't even know if he did go back to, um, you know. Yeah, you know, we have no idea what little Littlefinger's up to at this point. Yeah, is he still in King's Landing? Did he leave again? We don't know. Yeah, yeah, and if he did leave, did he go to um, Winterfell or did he go back to? With a um, John Aryan's houses, I, we don't. We have, is he buggering ponces and eating cockles? We don't know. We don't know. So yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's a shame. So um, any any further items uh, awards that we wanted to? Because those are the only ones that I I brought up. Best death. Oh yeah, best death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go. I'll I'll go. I'll go with it first. Uh, I think Jorah. Uh, I mean, J- what's his name? Jorah Slint. Jorah, what's his name? Janos Slint. Janos. Janos Slint. Janos. Sorry, yeah. I wanted to be Janos because that's like German Hispanic, or and clearly he's Hispanic. I don't know. No, no, that's uh, if it's pronounced Y, then it's <laughs> it's Northern European, such as German or Norwegian. But if it's pronounced H, then it's um, Spanish. But if it's pronounced J, then it can be English or Portuguese and various other languages. Oh so. my goodness! I did not need to know. <laughs> it's Westerosi. Yes, yeah. So anyway, Jono Slint, I thought his uh, was the best death because uh, I was not expecting it, and uh, John didn't give any mercy, and I was like kind of shocked actually. So, um, so yeah, that was the one I, I would go with, and actually that made. I forget what number episode that see that was. It was episode season. three. Yeah, yeah, and that made that episode arguably my second favorite episode of the season, or third favorite after Head Home and Mother's Mercy. Uh, uh, oh, oh yeah, Eric, Eric, yeah, here you go. Eric. That was my choice as well, because uh, even though there were some awesome dragon deaths later in the season, um, that one it, it honestly caught me by surprise. Because, uh, I mean, we've seen our fair share of beheadings the, in the series, uh, but they actually showed this one all the way through, which usually they don't. I mean, honestly, most of the beheadings in this series are more along the lines of what Stannis was in the last episode. You see the sword swing, you never see the connection. Um, or they take another angle so you don't see the head separate or whatever. Uh, but this one, full-on boom, Head falls off, blood spurts out. And I actually exclaimed out loud while I was watching the episode, "Oh shit!" Because <laughs> I was did not see it coming. I didn't think they were going to show it all. So uh, yeah, that was my choice too. Nice. Uh, what about you, Mike? Well, my runner-up was the was the harpy who got torn apart by Drogon in the. Yeah, that was really Dance cool. of Dragons, where he just took his head and it was like like looks like a dog with a chew toy, and the <laughs> two halves go flying across the arena. <laughs> well, there are also two dudes um, he landed on when he came in, which is kind of funny too. Yep, yeah. uh, I'm actually going to go uh, veer left on this one, and I'm going to uh, 
go with the death of uh, Meister Eamon. Oh, okay. Um, because it was an it oh, was a, a, a first valid choice. Yeah, it was a first for for Game of Thrones, and that someone died in their bed. Um, <laughs> Actually, they they found out. Someone said there was someone else before that, and I forget who it was, but it was true. There is some one other person who died. Oh, Robert Baratheon. Robert Baratheon. No, he was poisoned, right? Yeah, but he died in his bed. Oh, oh, I thought you meant died peacefully without being, you know, of old age or something. No, okay. Um, but there was one other person that but, died. Uh, oh, you know who it was? It was I think it was Tully, the father of... Um, um, what's his her face? Caitlin Stark's father. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't see them die. Yeah, but either way, yeah. Go, go on. I guess. Well, because it was it was just an awesome little. It was a nice scene and a nice act of a character. Um, I do wonder what you know you feel as an actor when you get to the point where it's why are all these roles I'm being offered me dying? <laughs> um. <laughs> You know, it's are they sending me a message? I'm not quite dead yet. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Sean Bean will be used to it by the time he's in his 80s. But um, yeah, I guess it's just something you make peace with. It was your old older actor, but it was just it was just some nice scene uh, with him calling out to uh, to his, his little brother, uh, and because you had Sam there at the time and Gilly, it was just it just played out really really well, um, and, and I appreciated it. And it was, it was different, and it was it was different tone for Game of Thrones, and the actor has always been really good, and was a nice farewell to the character, and so I like that. I mean, let's. This is a series where you know you, you when you say, "Oh, that my favorite death was the beheading," and you have to say which one. <laughs> you know, was it the one in the first episode? How about the one in the arena, right, where it was just sort of I like when the guy half got in the background? The dragon, which one? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it was nice. Um, uh, although that's a little bit, there's also, I was kind of surprised nobody mentioned Serene, uh, which was just the most, still for me, far and away the most disturbing That was pretty fucking this, horrifying, season. yes. Yep. Um, all right, very well, very well. Um, so what, what should we do, discuss next? Uh, do you want to discuss some predictions? Do you want to discuss um, specific uh, characters or groups of characters i mean we, we, we've done well, i heard the, i heard the great joys are coming back for season six which is eh, whatever i never particularly liked them um we'll probably see bran again which i'm not looking forward to because that storyline has always bored the crap out of me and it better pay off in a big way uh like i'm talking he better bargain to some dragon and shit or else i'm going to be highly annoyed by his presence um i want to see danny rule doesn't look like it's heading in that direction right now so I'm prepared to be disappointed. I want to see Tyrion in the seat of power again, which looks like might happen in Marine. Uh, he's going to be uh, the puppet master while Danny's out of town. Uh, we'll see how far that takes him. Uh, and Varys is there again, which is cool. Uh, I want to see Brienne have more of a role in season six. I hope she killed puppet Stannis because that just story can stop. Um Jon Snow, uh, who is he coming back? Uh, a lot of people think he is. Um, we'll find out, I guess. Because, <laughs> I mean, it, it would be the ultimate mind fuck. 
after after everything like this to set this up and everybody thinks he's coming back thinks he's coming back to just let him be dead uh <laughs> like nope he's just dead sorry <laughs> cut, cut cut to uh ghost chewing on his bones well, you, you, you know, it'd be interesting if he doesn't come back. Let's say he doesn't. What was the entire point of the wall story then? Except to let us know that there's a group of white walkers coming. So, well, and ultimately unless, that is the purpose of that story. Yeah, I guess you're right. So there's Winter's a chance. Coming. But, but then again, you never know. Maybe he is kaput. And then guess what? Davos takes control. Because you know the white, uh, the red witch. She's a witch. She's a witch. Uh, she said that he has a part to play, even though she doesn't like him. And mm-hmm. maybe the part to play is he's the guy that's going to rally the wildlings and the Black Watch, and and be the the power there now. And Jon Snow's character is gone forever. Um, that's a possibility. But again, that would leave a lot of open storylines like Lost did that never answered, like, who's Jon Snow's parents and things like that. So it would be hard for me to believe... Well, and if Jon Snow doesn't come back, then there's no reason for us to ever know who his parents were, who gives a shit. He's dead. Well, I would agree with that, too. That's a good point. And but, also, but it never should have been it never should have been a plot point. <laughs> okay. But it really hasn't been that big of a plot point, has it? It's really just been... It was just a minor plot point that they throw out there. Uh... Yeah, but they but they made sure. First of all, the last word from Ned Stark is when I when I come back and see you, we'll talk about your parents, right? It's, and then you had the, they just to make sure everybody knows they haven't forgotten the plot point. They have Stannis bring it up, uh, you know, about Ned Stark. He said, "I don't think he's his father." Yeah, that, that's valid. Just too. saying, I'm not. Yep. We're never going to follow up on this line. We just had an extra thirty seconds of film that we need to fill up. So I'm going to say that now. I don't think that Stark's his father. Okay, we can keep going. It's, it has to pay off, right? It's Otherwise, it is just weak storytelling. Uh, well, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, it would have definitely been a, a complete it's poor form. It, it would it wouldn't follow the regular scripts that Hollywood would usually go with. So, yeah, I, I would agree with you on that, but I don't know if it would necessarily be weak storytelling. Um, I, I gotta say, I get, I think I mentioned it last week, but in case I, I, I honestly can't remember if I did or not, but I gotta give credit to HBO for the massive head fake they gave us with the previously on at the beginning of episode 10. Because at the beginning of episode 10, they show you way back from season 1, Benjamin, Benjamin Stark, uh, See you later, John. I'll we'll talk when I get back. Uh, so that at the very end of the episode, when Ollie, that little bastard, uh, runs in and says, "Hey, there's this guy out here. And he says Benjamin's still alive." You're like, "Oh, well, they showed him on the previously on. Maybe he's back." Uh, uh, no, no, that's not what's happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was definitely a good head fake. There's no doubt. Um, the uh, well, and and that's odd because you know the rumor all season and they were setting up all season was all he was going to be part of killing John Stark. Um, and Snow. you're right, Snow. And and then he's a bastard. There's there's a, there's a uh, like uh, a pull a, a trick where they, it makes it look like oh okay maybe. That's not going to happen after all, and then it comes back. It actually is, and he is 
<laughs> yeah, right. so, yep. so yeah, yeah. Um, what else? Uh, so, but I also heard rumors that you never know they could do what they did with Bran and have Jon Snow's character disappear for a whole season and just focus on, like you said, Eric Greyjoy's and various other characters. Well, and that- here would be my issue with that uh, is that it is my feeling, given that resurrection doesn't actually happen. I don't have any basis in reality for this opinion, I guess it is. But it would seem to me that if you're going to bring somebody back from the dead, it needs to be done in a relatively timely manner. So I would have an issue if they left him out of all of season six and then brought him back in season seven. Well, they could cut away, right? They could could just, because while this series hasn't done point of view characters specifically the way you've had in the books yeah right you do basically have main characters and like for example this you know i guess davos right we kind of seen episodes through davos's eyes but all the main characters are basically now except for davos oh gone from the wall mm-hmm. with john snow is dead so they could just not go back there and then you know, have it revealed well, late in season. And have if it revealed late it, in season. That would be the way to do it because, that, yeah, you just can't go back and show what Davos is doing and what the Red Witch are doing, and and not show what Jon Snow is doing, and then bring it back in season seven. That would be lame as hell. I also thought, right? I mean, they could do something. Let's let's say for for instance, I'm just I'm just throwing this out as a for instance. You you spend uh, uh, Brienne so. Somehow finds uh, Sansa with you know both legs broken <laughs> at the bottom of the wall. Uh, gathers her up and Stannis uh, up <laughs> and drags them uh, slowly up for nine episodes up to Castle Black. And Theon, away too. From... And Theon. Don't forget Theon with his broken legs too. So so Stannis is, is uh, no Theon's legs broke when he hit the body. No Theon oh. fell head first. He died and. Uh, <laughs> He died in a no in a noble heroic sacrifice. Actually, no, he didn't and, die. He uh, broke his neck, and he's just like a, a neck on a stick now. <laughs> so, and then, and then, so because because Stannis doesn't his leg is injured, and because uh, Sansa's legs are broken, it takes them nine episodes to get up to Castle Black, and they get there, and the door opens, and there's Jon Snow holding Alistair's head on a pike. Either that, or he has blue eyes, eating it like a candy apple. Um, but I mean, I could see them do something like that. And then if if they really want to whitewash and pretend, no, he's really dead, but they just ignore it. Just like they've ignored whatever brand's doing for this season. We know he's not dead. He's whatever. Rest defense. So up, down, up, down, sides, whatever he's doing. Yes, uh, he's no, he's learning how to walk. My favorite is is oh my god, is people who caught because I, I guess in the books all the Starks are wargs, supposedly. Mm, I don't know if that statement's true. Uh, some people are saying no, all the Starks are wargs. So people are expecting him to have warged into Ghost, and they think that's how they avoid the death. And it's like, do you really think? going to have that's like muppet wolf talking <laughs> you know <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
<laughs> oh, I mean, they, they, they're doing everything in their power to not show us the wolves that are, that are a critical part of the storyline because of the budget issues. And yet they're gonna turn one of the characters into a wolf war ghost person? Rutro! I don't- Rutro <laughs> Raggy! <laughs> and, and, would you do, does somebody really think they're gonna put a wolf on the Iron Throne? I mean, oh. <laughs> It's not gonna, I mean, maybe he, maybe he somehow, I don't know. Uh, oh, I think they watched too much Star Trek 3. You know, Spock putting his soul into Bones' body and then here. Uh, what's that? Until they can, until they can send, until they send Jon Snow's body back to the Genesis planet. <laughs> I think. Take his soul out of, out of the wolf and put it back in his body and he's fine. Oh, I don't know. Right. I shouldn't laugh because that's probably going to be exactly what they do. Uh, I'm sorry. I, honestly, I just I'm I don't know what's going to happen from here, and uh, I just hope it involves some sort of war uh, between humans and White Walkers, and that uh, people on dragons end up attacking White Walkers with dragon fire, because that's what I really want to see. Well, I think what's happening again, you're getting sort of consolidation around John and uh, Danny. I don't know when this is going to happen, but I could very easily see Cersei looking and hearing Jon Snow is dead, Stannis' army is destroyed, uh, we've won, and therefore we're going to go get those bitches in Dorne for killing our daughter. Right. And after she takes care of the... Um, the sparrows. Right. Once Jamie arrives, comes back, send their army to Dorne. Dorne originally allied with the Targaryens, if I remember right. In Robert's Rebellion? The Dawn, Dawn was with the Targaryens, that's correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the Martells. The yeah, Tyrells, as, as well we don't know the, where they are. As well as the, the Thorns, as well. They're a smaller house, but Alice of Thorn, his house was a uh, Targaryen house. But you could have this happen while they do that. I could ease, I could see them getting attacked from behind, sort of, as a resurrected Jon Snow, had, you know, rallies the troop, the soldiers, the, the, the armies in, um, in Winterfell to get rid of the Boltons and storm on King's Landing. I have a question. Get, get rid of the Lannisters, perhaps funded handsomely by the Tyrells. Uh, you know, since their family, it, right, the Tyrells, right. the rich ones with the flowers. I have yep. a question. Does winter, is winter only in the north or does winter happen on the whole continent? My, my, my ultimate question in being, are the White Walkers a threat to King's Landing? That's a good question. I'm, I'm gathering they are. I'm gathering it, it, this is like, like, uh, a new ice age. So it eventually, as the walkers come south, the snow will follow them. Cause I'm gathering, I'm assuming that the only reason the white walkers haven't attacked until now is cause they need it to be really cold. Uh, and it hasn't been cold enough for them to come down from the north yet. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they bring the snow with them and, and, Therefore, they're coming down, and the snow comes with them. Or 
did the snow come first and then the white walkers just follow the snow which is it the chicken or the egg type of deal so right. i don't know yeah it's a, it's a really good question eric uh uh and again even though they're bad in a sense they're bad to the humans um i still am not 100% sure that they're a truly nefarious uh group of creatures they may just be uh looking at humans as you know uh they're just misunderstood it, absolutely they they they, they no on a, they on just a want a note, hug on a serious note they may just be uh two uh worlds colliding basically and neither are truly nefarious meaning the humans aren't nefarious nor are the white walkers it's just two uh societies colliding Mm. So I, I don't even know. I mean, it's a good question. Um, they just want snow cones. <laughs> um, so I, I don't. We'll see. Yeah, uh, the, I, I'm still thinking. This is what I'm thinking is is going to happen. Is that Cersei's is going to somehow get the wildfire and she's just going to blow up King's Landing and kill everybody there as a revenge. I think they used all the wildfire in in the Battle of Blackwater. I think but it was all she, in that ship that went kaboom. But she has the the guy that could create it, which is the Quaalude guy or whatever his name is. Quaalude. He's, the- <laughs> That's it. He's now officially Quaburn. the Quaalude guy from now on. I Quaburn. like that. Yeah, Quaburn. That guy. That guy was the guy that made all the fire. Yeah, but he's been no. busy resurrecting the mountain. Wait, what do you mean he's the guy who made all the fire? He was the guy that, when Tyrion went down there, he was the guy that that had all the fire. That wasn't him, that? was it? Yeah, that was Was him. it? Yeah, go back. I, th- I thought it was a maester. I thought it was Quaburn. Well, I, well, now I'm Kyburn's intrigued. I'm going to have to up... go back and find out. Kyburn's the guy that fixed up Jamie's hand. Yes, yes, but I swore his first appearance in the show was was back with the, the wildfire. I am not confident enough to say that you're wrong, Phil. You could, you could be right. Yeah, so I, I don't know now. now no, we not... will find out soon enough. Well, that's not. true. Right. Well, well, we could always go back and watch it too. But, but so that would be what uh, season two, episodes six and seven, maybe somewhere in there. I don't uh, remember what episodes. Yeah. Well, well, it was the, it was episode nine was was the, the thing. So it has to be somewhere between episode one and episode eight. I would think. Right. Um. But yeah, now you have me doubting it. But either way. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking they're going to find wildfire, and Cersei's is going to use it. And then she's also going to start a war with Dawn, because they're going to blame Dawn for the death of um, her daughter. And uh, so that's going to go there. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be curious. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. And, well, and I think, I don't know if it'll be this season or what, but or next season... I, I do think that the reason we got the uh, Dothraki back is because I think that uh, Martin wanted Danny riding a dragon, leading the basically leading the hordes of Genghis Khan, right, leading the horse riders into King's Landing. And I think what you're going to end up with is a pincer attack eventually on King's Landing, with Danny and the dragons coming from the coming from the east, and then. You're going to have the north coming from the north. West? Oh. Uh, and 
maybe even Dorn moving up from the south. And then we'll get somebody new on the throne just in time to deal with winter arriving. Um, you know, you'll get John, the wildlings, the people of, of uh, Winterfell in the north and their armies. And I think, because I think Cersei is going to just screw up badly because I think the, the Lannister family, um, ironically, right, what's the, what's, What's one of the first things we learned about the Lannister family? They're incestuous. They don't give What's up. What's the other thing we <laughs> that they always pay their debts? Pay their debts, and that's Unless where they're in trouble, right? Because they, because yeah, they they owe money, right? They have not paid their debts, right? And they don't have the gold anymore to pay their debts, and that's going to be their sort of their downfall. And I think you're going to see. The family taken down. Now, whether that means every individual in the family gets taken down, they got the prophecy at the beginning of the season, so we have to assume Tommen's going to die. Right. Um, maybe somebody gets a happy ending for Jamie because of, you know, there's certain fans who've gotten moisty thighs because of what happened with him <laughs> in season three. Um, Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe they make him do something completely asinine because he did sort of get from um, my Raspberry Award winner. He got that encouragement. No, no. Go back and love your sister and don't be ashamed of it. <laughs> Speech, right? Right before he sailed off and she killed his right. daughter. Uh-huh. Um, so who knows? Who knows where that where that storyline ends up going? Uh, because I know there, there are obviously people who want Brienne to end up with Jamie, but we all know that really Brienne needs to end up with Podrick because <laughs> Podrick got his money back. You remember not, the, I don't get the joke. Neither do I. Remember, remember the Podrick being paid, they paid the whores to pleasure Podrick? Oh, right. Okay. Oh, and they paid, so clearly, clearly he's the man for Brienne. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, I don't know, so I, so I think that's what's gonna happen, and then at some point, there'll be the big clash. And, you know, they have been talking about, which I think would really suck, in <laughs> a lot of ways, uh, um, they've been talking about doing a Game of Thrones movie. What? Okay. And like, like that, that they would finish off Game of Thrones, I guess, as a feature. Which that I think is kind of a shitty thing to do. Sense. Yeah, that would be stupid. Well, it would make sense because imagine for a moment you've had this series going along, along that's been a sixty million dollar a season budget. Suddenly gets handed a two mil hundred million dollar budget for a two hour fight between zombies and dragons. Yeah, I see. You your could point. you you could go full scale spectacle. <laughs> you know, I just think that it's a shitty thing to do. I don't think you you break the format. I think you have to, you know, remain true to the format you've you've committed to. Right? It, it, it would just feel weird. It would feel like it doesn't belong there. It would feel an, an, like an inorganic attachment to the series would be my suspicion. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so I think and then I, that's, I think, where they're going. The only thing that bothers me is what Eric has said is that the uh, the Greyjoys are coming back into it. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't know what the Greyjoys did in the book. Um, I don't care what the Greyjoys did in the book. 
Uh, I, I seriously doubt Theon is going to end up on the Iron Throne. Um, but it just feels like they're th- they'd be throwing in a, an extraneous plot point at the time where they everything all the momentum is going towards wrapping things up. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it also could be a, something that you haven't considered, Mike, which is the setup for the breakup of the throne. So what happens if, say, Snow or Davos or whoever leads the North down meets the, the um, I guess, the, the Targaryen woman and, who, you know, the, the Tyrells will be left there and they somehow all join up. Uh, they break up the throne, and now they have hundreds of Valerian swords. And then they go fight the White Walkers, and then they take out the White Walkers, and then Danny's idea of breaking the wheel, and therefore the throne has already been broken up, that you now have independent nations, and the Greyjoys introducing them again or reintroducing them or, or expanding their role for season six and seven would just be another um, example of uh, the breakup of the power and, and now they do get their independence and and so forth or, wow, you've been thinking well, about as we this. all know a little bit as we all know independent nations have never gone to war with each other well that's <laughs> what, that, that was the next thing I was going to say which is is they could always use the great choice as this uh, wrench uh, in the in the breakup of the wheel, where they keep on uh, doing gorilla hits or whatever, and they're a pest while they're trying to fight the White Walkers up north. Oh, um, and also again the El Dente or, or whatever the term is between the South and the North is just that, similar to like the Soviets with the Allies. And then after the war is over, everybody is like this cold war again and but at least they're independent and there's quote unquote peace even if it's a cold war type of thing and the great choice may just be an example of that maybe i know there's there's lots of ways they can go and there's lots of permutations but it's as eric said i think that the end game here is dragons versus ice zombies and um Oh, yeah, but but maybe that's not the end game. Maybe that is the the next the final step before the end game, which is uh, cleaning, uh, erasing the Game of Thrones, or actually getting one person to lead the entire Westeros slash Essos. I don't know. Well, I know that uh, people the, the series is called Game of Thrones. The series of books that's based on it's called A Song of Ice and Fire. So I I would be really surprised if the dragons and zombies don't end up being the ultimate plot line. Well, my understanding is that Martin um, based a lot of this on the history of like the War of the Roses and the Hundred Years' War, and uh, you know there's there's some uh, uh, what do you call analogous characters in in real history. I, I unfortunately. Um, Completely, my history teacher never made it to European history in my, my global studies class in 10th grade. Uh, so I really know very little about that era of history in Europe. So what, I, what, what happened, what did happen with the dragons and the White Walkers um, in the War of the Roses? How did that, how did that play out? Do we have I any would, idea? I don't think there was dragons or White Walkers in 
uh, of non-fictional War of Roses. <laughs> oh well, then 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 that theory sucks. Okay, uh, right. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't. It's hard to say what his plan is and what his end game is and whether he's going to change it. Um, well, let me let me bring this up. That Eric made a point. He says, "Well, I, I would think the final would be the ice and the fire, but isn't the ice and the fire the moment they're involved?" That is the 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 quote unquote sto- story, Eric. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be the very ending. What it means is that it's a story about ice and fire. And when you have the North and the the South fighting White Walkers and whatever, and then the White Walkers are eliminated or head back to wherever they're going, then maybe the next part of the story is who gets the throne or is the country going to be broken up into multiple kingdoms or fiefdoms. Which still includes the fire and the ice, because mm-hmm. snow is the ice now, and or, or Davos or whoever's up there, the Boltons, whoever leads them, and and then uh, Daenerys is is the fire. Uh, you've yeah. completely lost me. My, my point is, is that it doesn't have to be. Um, yes, it does. Well, no, <laughs> it, 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 it's it, it's going to be ice and fire, but. It doesn't have to be the. It, it can be, in other in other words, uh, World War Two is is the Allies and the, and the Axis. So it's about them, but there's an end game at the end. Which so in other words, you have the fire yeah, in your eyes. Boring. I want the the zombies and the dragons. All right. Well, I, I was saying that. Eric that has no appreciation for history, Phil. If you haven't picked that up yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm gathering that's true. But I, I, I was actually saying that he, that's going to be there. It's just that it's not the only thing. It's just a part of the major story plot. But, well, here's the, the thing. The climax of the story, yes. Here's the, At some point, there will be zombies, there will be dragons. We've actually seen that point. We have seen zombies and dragons. So we actually, know actually, we've only seen whites. Uh, so anyhow, um, the... The story is going to end somehow. Now let's assume that it doesn't end with uh, a, a chilly apocalypse, um, or even necessarily, <laughs> a chill you know. It's, um, there has to be. There's going to be a new status quo. I don't think we're going to end uh, basically where the series began. So I'll agree with Phil on that, right? Okay, yep. That we're going to be in, a, in probably a different place than where we started. Well, yeah. And so what's that? So once the battles are done, once winter is ended, are the dragons still there? Is there an Iron Throne? Fit literally or metaphorically, are the kingdoms still united? If they are, under whom? Are they going to be the seven or however many independent fiefdoms uh, or separate kingdoms? Does John get his throne in the north? Does somebody else somewhere, does Tyrion get to be ruler in, in Marine? What happens to the characters? Where do they go when all is said and done? I I don't think they're going for the tragic ending here. As uh, the Night I, King, you know, you never know, stri- strangles man, George Tyrion at the, as the final episode. But um, Would George yeah, we'll R. R. Martin writing this thing? It could be that it's just the fucking White Walkers win and that's it. Humans done. Uh, yeah, that is a possibility. <laughs> that is definitely a possibility. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, 
any other ideas or, or points or things that you folks wanted to bring up about season five? Any specific actors, character lines, et cetera? Well, I think like, what I was realizing, I was thinking about it, um, is that a lot of this season, if you thematically, and I don't know if this is intentional or if it just happens to be where the writers' minds are at or just a consequence of who the characters are, but a big theme of the season was really dealing with obsession and and literally obsession to the point of blindness, which is made very literal in the case of Arya. Yep. Um, you know, that the, 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 the inability to let go of old hatreds is what gets Jon Snow stabbed. Uh, the harpies and un, being unwilling to let go of their old ways and let go of slavery. Uh, and this all goes to like breaking the wheel, right? The young one who wants to break the wheel, right? These are people who don't want to end their cycle of violence right. or end their things. Stannis does not want to let go of the throne, even though it means burning heretics at the stake in then eventually burning his daughter. Um, you have, you have the sparrows. On the one hand, and all, but even Cersei not willing to just say, "Hey, my my son is king. I can retire, have a nice life as queen, queen mom. My son's with a hot babe. I could make nice, mm-hmm. but no, I, I can't let go." And so that's that's a theme throughout a lot of the season. Even think of on um, something that played out mostly positively, except for a slight skin rash, um, is Jorah's obsession about getting back to Danny. Yeah. Right, so I, okay, whether that was just intended as a seasonal arc, whether it was even intended as a seasonal theme, or it's just that these are the characters that George Martin created, and because there's a lot of dicks in Game of Thrones, and dicks tend to obsess over stupid things. <laughs> uh, I don't know, but uh, I, that was just you know even Brienne, right? Brienne and her oath. Which and that, that's where you can get into the theme of, you know, does, does she finally say, this is fucking stupid, I'm not killing a helpless man just because I swore to four seasons ago? Right. We'll find out. We will. Yep. All right. Uh, yeah, you can say something, Mike. No, and, and, and that's the end. I don't know. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I think we're done here. Yeah. So... No, that's fair. So, um, season five, uh, it was the highest rated, um, season of all. Again, um, that usually is the case when, when a, a show is, becomes popular and more people jump on board, so similar to like Breaking Bad or, or whatever. Um, it, well, and I think that's going to be a trend we see increasingly going forward, uh, because, uh, different services, Allowing people to watch series after they air with ease and convenience is allowing for a lot of people to pick up on the show after it's aired, where in the past that wasn't necessarily the case. I think services like Netflix and HBO Go uh, or Now um, are really allowing shows to have exposure after they've been on the air for a season or two, uh, and people pick up on them and then tune in for the next season. Yeah, it, it was. It's used to be very atypical because I remember when uh, going way, way back in the dark ages when uh, Cheers was going off the air and they talked about the the, the history of the series. How and that was one of the few shows. <laughs> well, yes, uh, and dials and knobs yeah. and commercial interruptions. <laughs> uh, um, 
was that they said it was unusual because it was a show that started with low ratings, but its ratings built as it went along. And that's not something you ever see with most TV shows. Most TV shows start high, then they drop and sort of level off as they find their fan base. Right. Seinfeld kind of did the same thing. It started out as a, as just like a summer replacement program. And then word of mouth gradually built it up and built it up. And now because of, like I said, streaming services, that can help shows carry on. It, it ironically hurts, I think, a lot of shows because now you're seeing a lot of people saying, well, I'm not going to watch it until you know, we saw a couple of seasons under its belt and I can streamline it. And then this ends up getting canceled and people not streamline it, uh, binge, binge watch, watch it, right? It. Yep. Uh, or stream. And, and like we just got news today that, uh, NBC is not going to renew Hannibal yeah. for a fourth yep. season. Now it may end up going someplace else, but I see a lot of people say, Oh, I was just waiting to watch it to see, you know, once it was all over with. Right. Well, if you don't support the show in the first place, you know, it's one thing to say I watched it, it sucked, I'm not watching it again. You know, or well, I'm going to wait to the end of the season. But when you don't, when you never, people, if you're, you're going to say, I'm going to wait for the entire series to be over with, well, then don't be surprised when the series never never makes it there. <laughs> I, I, I don't wait for the entire series to be over, but I will wait for an entire season to be over because fuck commercials. Well, they're DVRs. You can do that anyway. If you have one, which I don't. So, anyway. Um, right. Game of Thrones builds up word of mouth because it's a cable series. And because and this is another big factor is HBO owns Game of Thrones. So this isn't like, you know, uh, Paramount develops a show for, for NBC. And NBC can only justify it staying on the air as long as they can get commercial revenue. Because once it goes into syndication or when they sell the DVDs or whatever, Paramount, because they develop the show, they get all the money. HBO made the show. HBO profits off the show. It airs on their channel. People, they know people subscribe just for that. They now have their own streaming service that is more or less built to give people Game of Thrones without subscribing to HBO through their cable provider. And when they sell the, the DVDs and box sets, they get all the money. And my understanding is the DVDs and Blu-rays alone pay for the, the production costs of the season. Um, also, Not to mention all the merchandi- merchandising rights and all this other nonsense that goes with it. They're making a ton. So that allows these companies to milk it as long as they can because they can just pocket more money the longer they keep it going. And it's not going to somebody else. Uh, and also, another interesting thing, too, with a lot of television series nowadays, too, is like, for example, older shows like MASH or whatever, or Seinfeld, as you said, Mike, um, they start off low, then they get high, and then as the series keeps on dragging on, they start going low again. So it's like a bell curve. Um, nowadays, a lot of shows um, set you know, we're only going to do six seasons or seven seasons or whatever, and whether or not they bomb at the end, like, say, Dexter or or Lost, they still pull in good ratings because it's it's a a line that just goes up until the season the series ends because we know when it's going to end. So Breaking Bad, you know, season one, two, three, four, five, whatever, all the way to the last season, the last season gets the highest ratings. Right now, Game of Thrones season five, it gets the highest ratings. Um, so if there's only going to be two more seasons, which is what people assume. Then you figure next season six will, will, will grow a little more or at least plateau to what, what five is now because that's the max it can go. And then season seven will do the same. 
and then poof, the, the show is off the air, and it was a successful series from beginning to end because it grew, and it didn't have the bell curve where it finally faded out and, and they get canceled. Um, but that doesn't mean that this universe, Game of Thrones, will end either. They could then do more storylines with like how they're doing with that video game that you're talking about, Mike, where they use same universe but different families or different areas or, or whatever. So uh, I wouldn't doubt Oh, yeah, well, George R. Uh, R. Martin isn't, you know, while he's not writing the books, he's like written the sequel, right, or prequels, right? He's written... That's right, exactly. Uh, exactly. He's written different stories, and, and that's why if I was a reader, I'd be a little pissed that he's doing all this shit that has nothing to do with getting his novel finished because it was before he's starting to do spinoffs and prequels and supposedly he's in conversations with hbo to do a couple of more series now whether these would be game of thrones type series or a completely new property who knows uh but his, his, his eye does not seem to be on the book six ball um right, right. but we'll see yeah that this is something that could keep going because you could have whatever the new status quo happens to be if they shake things up enough, they can always do a what happens next, or they can do like you know the, you know the Game of Thrones, the Next Generation, right. or they can go back and do the. Uh, the I've, there's been talk about them doing a series based on the, on Robert's Rebellion. Yep, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Or, or even further back on how the wall was built, or who knows? They they have so many things they can do. And, and like you said, uh, he's written the Encyclopedia uh, Appendium book to go with the main book so and all those are like prequels of what's happened so um i i can see that happening and and that's the thing it's 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 if if the series starts losing it it will be done before it becomes a, a flop and has to be canceled because they say oh we're only doing seven seasons anyway and then they can go off and create another um storyline in the same universe and start from scratch again and keep their fingers crossed that it'll hit the same wave as the the first series. Um, and I think that I think they go they sort of like the, I think they go sort of like the Cheers model, right? Where they just picked an obscure picked one character wasn't the most popular character. Yeah, Frazier. spun them yeah. off into into a completely different series with its own completely different tonal uh, idea, or yep. maybe like Lou Grant off of uh, um, the Mary Tyler Moore Show. And uh, so I'm thinking. Uh, Hot Buys Tavern. How about that? We do. There's maybe a 30 minute HBO sitcom set in a. Uh, yeah, I think, I Eric, think that would work. Eric, and Eric, with, you, with 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 uh, with 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 characters fighting over the chickens. Eric, every episode. There? I think Eric's gone. Yeah, I'm still here. I just tuned out a while ago. I figured. Okay. All right. So that means Eric wants to wrap it up. So I guess we should wrap it up. So, so, Eric, uh, which, come on, give it. What's Eric? What's your what's your spinoff? Come on, give us a spinoff. Spinoff of Game of Thrones? Uh, it's a little late for the one I wanted. I, I, I wanted a spinoff of Arya and the Hound, but it's too late for that. How about, how about the adventures of Sir Pounce? We could do it as an animated series. <laughs> that ain't right. <laughs> Is Pounce even alive or, or anymore? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know because Tommen found a completely different kind of pussy he liked to play with. <laughs> Oh, how rude! But <laughs> fair enough, though it's it's a valid but, point. But very true. I want to know what happened to the missing direwolf. How about that for a spinoff? That's good. Yeah. Arya's direwolf. There you go. He could, be, he could be Sir Pounce's uh, sidekick. <laughs> 
All right. So, uh, so that's uh, pretty much the end of John. We are. What, what tells the name of this podcast again? You, you know nothing, John <laughs> Snow. A Game of Thrones podcast. And uh, so we will be back, I guess, in, what is it, 10 months? Uh, too long. Oh, but, but yeah, before you go, if you've somehow stuck with us all this time, please go to iTunes, leave us a review. And so that way when we come back, people will be listening to us more. That's yes. right. Help us That's gain right. fame, notoriety. Listen to the Dark Discussions podcast, or don't, but leave a review for that too. <laughs> all in our... Grand plan to take over the world. But but uh, most important, Mike kind of mentioned it, is uh, though we are going to have a 10-month hiatus, or, or at least a 9-month hiatus, because we, maybe we'll, we'll get back together right before the season and discuss what we think is going to happen or whatever. But uh, during that hiatus, you can still hear us every week. And that's Dark Discussions Podcast. So uh, we still are going to be here every week uh, until next season. But we'll just be doing it on the Dark Discussions Podcast rather than... And and as of now, we have about 190 episodes in the can, free to stream. We don't like some podcasts. We're not charging you for old episodes. (laughs) Anything in their back catalog, we we can't vouch for their quality. Right. Actually, we can vouch that some of them are awesome. And some of them are shit, but we can't tell you which ones are which. I've, you got you to gotta roll the like, dice and it's, figure it out. It's like a game of Minesweeper. <laughs> yep. Right? That's, yep. It's true. It's, 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 you never know how they end or begin. And, I would uh, like to think we hit more often than we miss. Yeah, yeah I, I would say so. Especially the um, once we hit episode like 60 or 50 um pretty much just straight through has been good and then some of the earlier episodes when we were finding our our footing uh took a little time but there's some damn good episodes in, in the first 60 but definitely um if you are a listener of this podcast the john snow podcast and want to start uh listening to the dark discussions or hearing in other words hearing us each week uh going forward until the john snow podcast comes back uh, we recommend to try random episodes uh, after, I guess, sixty, right, Eric? Sure. Yeah, and and then start there, and then you know you can listen to the, the catalog and or, check out the one on the Omen. I'm still proud of that one, even though I'm pretty sure it was before sixty. Maybe, yeah, yeah, it could have been. So, so yeah, um, so we will still be here, just under Dark Discussions podcast rather than John Snow's. Um, so, all right, uh, Mike, your final thoughts. Uh, this is still a fucking awesome show. Uh, the people who keep saying they're never going to watch again are liars. <laughs> um, it is it is impeccably cast. It has some you know the the, the and really that's it. The, the performances are just fantastic. Um, and then when you sprinkle it in with things like uh. A, dragons in a gladiator arena or zombies come jumping off of uh mountainsides and you know onto small remote villages whites white just uh it's it's just a uh it's just a hell of a show and i'm glad to be be finding somebody to talk about it on a weekly basis yeah uh yeah but, um that's a good point mike absolutely agree with that and um yeah it is a great show uh I was worried when they started bringing in the mystical monsters and stuff like that, the show would start going downhill, but um, it has not. Uh, for example, The Hard Home was probably the one of the top five, if not the best episode of the entire series. Um, 
and yet, even though we've lost uh, wonderful characters, good or bad, like Ned Stark or Tywin Lannister or Rob Stark and so forth, uh, we Oliver. Oh yeah, fair enough. Uh, we do um, continue to have uh, quality television, and even some of the weaker episodes or weaker things can you can arguably say are better than you know eighty percent to ninety percent that's out there anyway. So, uh, looking forward to next season, season six. It can't come soon enough. Uh, obviously, I don't want it to come that quick because that means I'll be ten months older and closer to death. But I do hope to uh, watch it when it does come slowly and. Uh, It'll be uh, good to see and revisit our f- favorite characters. Eric? I am not afraid of death, and I hope next season comes quickly. Uh, and, yeah, everything you guys said, it's a great show. I love it. I'm looking forward to more of it. Excellent. All right. So with that stated, uh, thanks. For, uh, you know, it was good uh, that any, all you listeners have came in and listened to us for these past 10 to 11 weeks. Uh, so, uh Eric, why don't you uh, lead us out? All right. Thanks for being around and listening to us talk to Game of Thrones for Season 5. Uh, I think this worked out well for everybody involved, uh, podcasters and listeners alike. So we will bring it back next season uh, to cover Season 6. That's right. And until then, listen to Dark Discussions Podcast. 